0: My name is Meryl Dubrow, CEO of Mark Research and the chair of the MS Marketing Research Advisory Board at Michigan State. I'm really excited to be part of Spartan Insights. Spartan Insights is a series of podcasts that I'll be hosting and interviewing one of the 350 alumni and 60 board members from the Michigan State Marketing Research Program. Today's guest on Spartan Insights is Jamin Brazil, host of the Happy Market Research podcast industry legend, adjunct professor, co-founder of Decipher, former CEO of Focus Vision, and most important, my good friend, Jamin, welcome to Spartan Insights.
1: Huge honor. Thank you so much, Merrill.
0: We're going to get into it today, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And, and more important, I think we're going to deliver some really good content to all the cohorts at the program. The reality is you have this innate ability and desire to help so many people in this industry. And I'd like to really focus on helping the next generation of stars. So let's talk about the resume process. And let's talk about some of the mistakes that some of the professionals of today are making so we can help them stay away from some of those pitfalls.
1: Mistakes are always framed for me in context of opportunities, which obviously is the flip side. I think. The biggest hindrance to a career is lack of network. The deeper your network, the more opportunities you will have. My son is uh, 18 years old right now. And he spent a ton of time on his resume after high school trying to get a job at a fast food eatery, right? And so he would submit on online forms at McDonald's, et cetera, et cetera no one ever got back to him. I mean, he just wasn't checking any boxes. He had a beautiful resume. He had parent endorsements, etc. He joins a fraternity. His roommate is a manager at a Chipotle. Within one day, he had a full-time job. Well, a 35 hour a week job. My broader point is it had nothing to do with his resume. In this industry and in any industry, the way that you progress your degree is about the people that you network to. And that is the single largest benefit I believe that you get out of an advanced degree from Michigan State. They have a deep connection into all the insights functions in all of the Fortune 500. If there's a company you wanna work for, there's somebody that's a graduate or knows a graduate in that country or in that, not country, at a global level as well, but in that specific business. So I think, You know, opportunity to expand your network, 100% the biggest opportunity, and also the thing that most graduates forget about.
0: You know, that's a good point. So when we talk about networking, right, I've had seven jobs in my career, and I only have seven jobs. And I have BFFs at each of those companies and fond experiences. And as you know, because we talk about this all the time, you know, on LinkedIn, I'm a huge, huge advocate of it, proponent of it, heavy user, and have close to and when this air is probably twenty eight thousand connections on LinkedIn, which is a lot and really has helped me tremendously. But what advice do you have for the students who, you know, networking, like you said, Jamin, is critical. But some of the students, not all, but some, are really nervous on on how to get started and they're shy and they're introverted and they don't even know how to use LinkedIn. What do you say to them?
1: I think that there's short term and there's long term networks that are important to you and to cultivate. The short-term network is what I just described, right? It's a shortcut. It's the getting to the head of insights at p or whatever because you know, you're able to navigate your existing relationship with Michigan State to be able to at least have a five or 10-minute conversation. That's short-term. The, the long-term networks are those that are inside of the student body at the peer level because what's interesting to me is You know, outside of that, that current class, they are the head of insights, the head of research, the CMOs of tomorrow, right? And so if you fast forward 10 years, I mean, they are the leaders inside of our, inside of top brands. So it's important to maintain those connections. And I find LinkedIn is very powerful for facilitating both short-term and long-term. The hack, if you want to call it that, or the method that I use to expand my network is, Instead of talking about myself, I talk about other people. So a great example is Claudia. She's a previous head of strategy for Procter & Gamble. It's hard to get time with her. And I've had her speak now to my virtual lunches three times. The way that I was able to do that network is when there was a post, then I would respond to her post, right? You start building credibility as you provide something that's not just like a thumbs up, but actually like a comment. The other thing you can do with people is you can provide recommendations, like written recommendations on their LinkedIn profiles. You'll notice that there's not usually a lot. There might be five, 10 on people that are really important inside of uh, Consumer Insights. The reason why there's very there few of them is that they're hard. So you know, spend the 10 to 15 minutes, write an intelligent, comprehensive, added value, complimentary comments to a post that somebody does, or take the time to write a recommendation based off of some knowledge that you have about that person and their contribution. And that will go a long ways to cutting through the red tape and the bureaucracy so that you can build a one-to-one relationship with the individual.
0: Yeah, that's great. So do you have a plan, a weekly plan, Jamin, in terms of how much content you want out there on LinkedIn, on social media, do you say, hey, I'm going to make three posts or is it just up and down depending on the week?
1: Listen, I test everything and that means that you have to be systematic, right? You have to be disciplined around your uh, posting schedule, when you post, the type of content that you post, whether it's video, text only, you know, are you linking to specific people? Are you adding in Google Slides? I mean, I'm very intentional on what and when I post. My rhythm is I will always comment randomly, but I'll comment on somebody's posts at least twice a day. So, you know, I'll jump into LinkedIn when I have a few minutes and I'll just do a comment. And my comments are never like, wow, that's really great. Most of the time, it's something that is very valuable. It's always additive to the conversation. The other thing that I do is on Tuesdays at... Uh, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock Pacific time, uh, I will do a post. The post varies on depending on what I'm talking about. Right now, I'm talking about meet the participant. So I'm actually doing video-based interviews with uh, people that take surveys on a regular basis or participate in one-on-one interviews on a regular basis so that we can understand why do they participate, right? So I'm doing that series just to be able to help add value, um, and then it'll change in February and so on. The hard post, right, the post that takes me like an hour of work to do, that's done on Tuesdays. And then on Fridays, I will usually do a summary post of things that I found interesting in the week. You know, that's my cadence. I think it's important if you're going to start your LinkedIn discipline that you start really small. Um, And it could be just comment on one person's posts a day, right, And or whatever it is for you, and then build on that as you gain experience and comfortability with the platform.
0: And how are you picking those one or two people who to, who to, you know, kind of zero in on and post? Are they industry legends? Is it somebody you want to potentially meet? Is it somebody you respect?
1: I mean, it all depends on the theme of, of the month. I actually have a content calendar where every month I'm, I know what I'm going to be talking about and generating content around. And so this month is uh, Meet the Participant. And so I'm actually, I did a survey and asked if people were willing to jump on, you know, among participants, like, like people that take surveys Uh, at Mark Research, think about all the hundreds of thousands of people that you've done surveys with. I append a question. Do you want to participate in a one-on-one interview? And the people who said, yes, I actually took the time to talk to them for five to 10 minutes. Right. So that's how I got those specific guests.
0: That's great. So the interviewing process, obviously somebody sends in a resume, they do a nice, cover letter and all that good stuff. And you know, for me, when I read and I've probably read this week at least 75 or 80 resumes with cover letters, the ones that grab my attention are the ones that know something specific about my company or about myself and kind of kind of grab my attention, right? Oh Meryl, I know you're from Boston, you're in Texas. How was the adjustment? Or hey I know you guys focus on animal health or this or that vertical. It's not everybody, it's a small percentage. What catches your eye when you were looking at so many resumes and hiring people? Was there certain things that caught your eye that you could identify with?
1: You think about the volume of resumes that you have and, and then you, you sort them into a big to small list and then from that small to smaller list and then you go through the interview process and continue to whittle it down. Some of the more impactful resumes that stand out to me today that I've seen is I had one person who created a resume that was a comic in the structure of a comic book. So very, very different. Wow. Right? I know, wow. it, was, it was really cool. Um, and I wound up hiring him. Uh, he was a, applying for a designer. And so he's trying to illustrate his capabilities in that, in that way. The other thing I look at is references. So I, you know, I don't expect them to provide the references inside of the resume. Uh, I, I expect a resume generally to be something I can, is a single page. Uh, So very brief, but like, you know, having a list of people that are important or knowledgeable or respected, that can be really helpful and just kind of saying, okay, well, this person has some, some strength or or, uh, value that's seen by other, other people. The third thing that I find very important is, and I don't need to tell you, you'd be amazed how many people have typos and like errors in their resumes. That's always a a showstopper for me. And then the last point I'll I'll mention is people don't read, right? Nobody reads. That's just factual. So we're all headlines. So make sure your resume is framed out in context of bullet points and headlines as opposed to, you know, deep paragraphs. You have to make a decision. If you're like, you know, you're the CEO of a very successful market research company. You don't have time to read paragraphs of content. Um, You're in fact, probably not going to do that. You're going to glance. If something catches your eye, you're going to jump in. So it's important to have a baited hook. Um, on the resume. And it's important to make sure that you're telling a story that is concise and consumable inside of about 15 to 20 seconds.
0: You know, it's funny. I do agree with you. And you know, I have ADD, D, 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 D to the nth degree. I have ADD on steroids, to be honest with you. But, and it's funny going through the resumes, it is the headlines. It is the bold. It is those short, quick bursts that catch my attention. And I love, I'll tell you what, I love the story you just told about the comic book. What would you say if somebody did as a resume, shot a video and sent it to you? Would that catch your attention in today's business world or is that too hokey?
1: I love video. I think the content is something that stands out as really important. Barrier is always around the systems, right? So like you have a way of processing videos at, at Mark Research. I have a way of processing, uh, or sorry, processing resumes at Mark Research. I have a way of processing resumes at Hub UAC. If you have a deviation from that, that can either mean that you are outside of the norm, right? which means that you might miss the opportunity to be inside of that stream, that funnel that you've created. But you also stand alone, so it's a big risk, but it's a big opportunity. So if I was going to do a video, I'd do both, right? And if I was going to do a video, I would probably drop it in the in a DM to you on LinkedIn, as opposed to try to you know force it into the funnel of yeah. you know uh, HR managers, etc. Because the HR manager is going to see that and they're be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this thing? So uh, it might just be more trouble from their vantage point, and it might not, but you know, but broadly speaking, you want to make things easy.
0: You know, with the pandemic, obviously, Zoom calls, Zoom interviews are so, so critical and being done every second of the day. Obviously, you know, any advice we would give the students is, you know, make sure the camera's at eye level. You don't want to be looking up or down. It just makes you look foolish. And then obviously, the background is important. Make sure you dress appropriately. What are some of Jamin's that, you know, your mentor should they have a, you know a picture behind them a screen behind them you know some type of, you know you obviously through the settings you can do that um what do you like what are some of the things that you would give as, as best practices jamin to the students
1: so i don't want to get too much into the technicality of, of mastering zoom that's a, that would be a whole session and a fun one and valuable one <laughs> but at a basic level i i would say make sure you have a clean backdrop if you want to show your room you don't want to do virtual back uh background then You know, make sure that the space behind you is not not messy. Uh, Make sure it's clean. Ideally, it would have some sort of like personality. So, if we were doing this on Zoom right now, you would see my office background, which is a bunch of personal pictures. Like, I I love Tom Petty, I love some video games. So, I got these posters of video games up and so on and so forth. So, like, you know, that offers something that's really interesting. The second thing I would do is if you are doing a a virtual meeting with someone at, at the interview level, then A great icebreaker is talk about what's in their background or talk about their virtual background. Either one is a really easy, safe way to be able to get to know somebody in about 60 seconds. You know, and you don't have to worry about offending them, anything along those lines. Uh, And then usually they'll reciprocate, which will allow you to build some rapport. And rapport in the interview process is probably, I mean, that's like, I don't know. It's like after everybody meets the criteria and you're going to probably have three to five people that do that. Once you're at that spot, it's kind of like, well, who do I like? Right. So that actually plays a big role in it. And that's where you need to be thinking, being very cognizant of you're not just checking boxes for this potential employer. You also want to make sure that both of you like each other.
0: But how do you do that when you're sitting across or or in In the Zoom situation, you're sitting and looking at each other through a computer to establish that rapport. That can be hard. That can be challenging, especially, I mean, listen, you're easy to get to know. Why? Because you're ridiculously nice. You're very thoughtful. (laughs) You're very outgoing. You're very um, approachable. But let's face facts, Jamin, Brazil. Not every hiring manager is like you. Some are very standoffish. Come on, you and I interviewed with them. Um, in our past, how do you break through that to get a rapport? You know, any insight on that? You need to have a trick,
1: and my trick, and it's worked for me through Zoom, um, is what I said. I always look at the background. Then I, I'll give you a good example. I have a have a client, and the client likes politics. So I didn't know that. Um, behind him, you know, I was giving him a demo of this platform, my platform, Hub UX. I noticed he had a bunch of books and so i said hey which one's your favorite right that was the question and we talked about what his favorite was i then went on amazon and bought that book which was amazing right i added a lot of value to myself i read it and i sent him an email saying this is great and i had some questions and we continued a conversation right so like at the end of the day we are human and you're right hiring managers they got to do a bunch of stuff it's painful you don't know what happened good or bad in that person's day leading up to your meeting. And that does have an impact on what happens, the way that they view you. So I think, again, the context, understanding that person in their context is probably the best thing that Zoom has offered us in the modern interview. And and I believe that it's also the single most underutilized hack or way to get to know somebody. So just genuinely take an interest in what's behind them because in a lot of ways that will define who they are and what they care about.
0: Yeah. Well said. Listen, you have accomplished so much for so long. My last question is this, what are you most proud of during your illustrious career in the insights industry?
1: I'm proud of the, my, like at a specific thing, I would say it's, it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to point to one thing. I would. I would point to the people that I've been able to help their careers. There's so many people that are are doing great things today, and I had the privilege and honor of being able to either grow up with them, or employ them and train them, or mentor them to help them fast forward their career opportunities. And I'm just very humbled and. Find tremendous joy in seeing those things. I'll give you a great example. Like right now, I yesterday I got a comment from a customer and the CEO, and he said he's been working with somebody on my team, Chu Yi Yang, and he said, Chu Yi is amazing. Well, I mean, Chu Yi is a 24-year-old. She's been inside of our working with me for two years. She's the second coming, Meryl. I mean, she's she's fantastic, right? And so for me, hearing him go on and on about her for a solid 30 seconds was like the highlight of my day because I get, have the honor of being able to help influence and give her opportunities. And she then rises to those occasions and, and exceeds expectations. That to me is the thing, the people and the, they're watching them go through their evolutions and growth is the thing that I find the most humbling and, and find the greatest joy.
0: That's great. Jamin, well, let me say this. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on Spartan Insights, to call you a friend. You've been listening to Jamin Brazil, and my name is Meryl Dubro. Have a great day.